the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You read Paul's letters and you think, wow, is there any room for growth in Paul's life? I mean, if someone asked me what my goals might be this year, you might say, well, sales, I want sales to be up. I want the Sunday school to grow. I want maybe, uh, I, I want my family to have enough money to go on vacation. I mean, these are not bad goals, but then you look at Paul's goals and you say, wow, what a giant. When I think of goals, I don't think of these things, but that's where Paul was at. And so I think some of the Philippians must have thought that Paul had arrived spiritually, that he had made it. New Year's resolutions have been a tradition for a long, long time. Of course, very few of them succeed. The only one I've been able to keep is one I made a few years ago when I resolved to stop making New Year's resolutions. But we still need goals in life, don't we? Especially spiritual goals. Welcome to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside, and these daily radio Bible classes are an extension of his teaching ministry. Today's class is part one of a three-part message that continues our series of lessons taken from chapter three of the book of Philippians. It's normal that as we age, we gradually become more mature. Of course, some of us mature more quickly than others, don't we? That's true both socially and spiritually, but we should never be satisfied with our level of spiritual maturity. It is something we need to work at. The Apostle Paul was one of the more spiritually mature mortals ever to walk the earth. But even so, he was never satisfied with himself. He still had spiritual goals, and so should we. Today on Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve will begin considering some of the attitudes that will help us to reach those goals. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 to begin our lesson. Satchel Page was one of those, considered by many to be one of the greatest pitchers that have ever lived, if not the greatest. It was before he got his chance at the major leagues in the year 1948. In fact, there were many great black ball players who unfortunately were banned from Major League Baseball. But he finally made it to the majors in 1948, an age when some men began thinking about retirement. Satchel Page was still throwing and offering his unique homespun philosophy to explain his amazing career. And it was amazing. Uh, I remember as a young boy watching, uh, I believe it was a Braves telecast, and uh, Satchel Page had to be in his 50s, closing in on 60, and he was still, uh, still throwing a baseball hard. But he is probably most known, at least for what he verbally said, with this little bit of advice. He said, don't look back because something might be gaining on you. 
Don't look back because something might be gaining on you. Now, that's not only good advice, but that is a bit of biblical wisdom that sounds very familiar and very similar to what Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3. So I'd like you to turn to the third chapter of Philippians, and we want to read verses 12 through 16, and then we want to explain it this morning and try to grab hold of what the apostle is saying, because in essence, what he is saying, at least in part, is don't look back because something might be gaining on you. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Paul wrote to the Philippians, not that I had already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which I also was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect or mature, have this attitude. And if anything you, and if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Now, notice in these verses how many times. Uh, Paul refers to concepts such as pressing on, reaching forward, uh, forgetting what lies behind, pressing towards the goal, going after the prize. Uh, that's over and over and over again. And like Satchel Page, the Apostle Paul knew that to look back would cause him really to lose stride in the great race that he was involved in. Often in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul illustrates biblical truths from the world of athletics. He also uses other worlds, too, the medical world. Sometimes he'll use the agricultural world. But apparently Paul was a great lover of athletics. And so he pulls from that field and takes biblical truths and often uses the world of athletics to explain biblical concepts. And many times Paul dealt with the concept of a foot race, a race, men running. Uh, this is throughout the New Testament. For instance, in Galatians 5, 7, the Apostle Paul spoke of this very concept. I just, want, I just want to fill you in on a few of these things. Galatians 5, 7, if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write this down. He writes, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Paul speaks of running then as obedience, who hindered you? You were going along well, running at a good pace, and then something stopped you. Something uh, got you off stride. What was it? In 2 Timothy 4, 7, speaking of his own life, he says, I have finished the course. I finished the course. I've run the race. I've come to an end. And he speaks about his own life about to end. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, very famous verse, uh, we're not sure who wrote this. It might have been the Apostle Paul. We can't speak with dogmatism. But whoever wrote this said this, Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And the imagery here is as a runner stripping, basically, so he has nothing on him that would entangle him as he is running. The writer is speaking of faithful running, faithfully running the race, endurance, perseverance, faithfulness. 
Now, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul is really not speaking of any of these things exactly. But what he is focusing on now is he takes the metaphor of a race and he uses it to explain the concept of spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity. That is to say, growth in the Lord. When I speak of spiritual maturity, when Paul is referring to it here, he is referring to growth in the Lord. There are two types of maturity that the Bible refers to. The first type of maturity is when, is when you see the word often uh, translated uh, to say perfect. You have to look at the context. Perfect or maturity, the same word. When we die or when we're raptured, we will be perfectly like Christ. We will be absolutely mature. We will be free from any sin in our lives and we will be fully like Christ. That's absolute maturity. That's full sanctification. That is holiness to the nth degree. And sometimes the Bible refers to that using this concept of maturity or perfection. But other times it is referring to being Christ-like while on earth. Certainly not perfect, certainly not absolutely Christ-like, but just as we studied last week, there are some people who are spiritual fathers and they know the Lord in a very intimate way. They would be spiritually mature. Paul, in, in this passage, is speaking about that type of maturity. He's saying, I haven't become Christ-like in an absolute way, but I'm working at it. So when we're referring to spiritual maturity in Philippians 3, most of the time he is talking about being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is, to, to grow in the Lord. We speak about growth. And the reason he speaks about growth and maturity at this point in Philippians is because of, in the previous verses he's presented his spiritual goals, his life goals. Let me refresh your memory. And some of you were not here. You were away. So let me review. In, in verse 10, Paul begins to give his three spiritual goals in life. First of all, goal number one, that I may know him. Paul says, I really want to know him. I know him in a relationship, but I want to grow deeper with him. I want to know him intimately. That is my goal in life. I want to grow deeper in my relationship with him. The second goal that Paul had was to know the power of his resurrection. And that simply means he wanted to be holy. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead, Paul said, I want that power working in my life to have victory over sin, victory over temptation, victory over anything that would come my way. I need power for service. I need power for witness. I need power. So he wanted to know the power of his resurrection. The third goal that Paul had in his life is found at the end of verse 10, or the middle going to the end, and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul said, I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, Paul was not someone who said, uh, I, I just want to suffer. What he was saying in this context is, I want to suffer so that I will draw close to Christ. I want to know what it's like to live such a righteous life that I will be persecuted for my righteousness. And in my persecution and in that type of suffering, I'm going to draw close to him. That's why he says at the end of verse 10, being conformed to his death. Jesus Christ died because of his obedience. And Paul says, I want to have that type of righteousness. Now, that is not to say that if you suffer for a non-righteous cause that you can't draw close to the Lord in suffering either. But I don't think that's what Paul's referring to here. What it's referring to here is he wants to draw close to the Lord through his suffering. Because we certainly, when we, when we suffer, we understand the Lord's sufferings far deeper than at any time. We understand the Lord better, and more than that, we know that he understands us. 
Now, Paul was a spiritual giant. If you were in the church at Philippi and you read this, you know what you might think? Man, Paul, Paul's made it. This guy's a giant. He's a spiritual giant. I, I don't know what Paul can do. In fact, some of us believe that now. You read Paul's letters and you think, wow, is there any room for growth in Paul's life? I mean, if someone asked me what my goals might be this year, you might say, well, I, I, sales, I want sales to be up. I want the Sunday school to grow. I want maybe, uh, I, I want my family to have enough money to go on vacation. I mean, these are not bad goals, but then you look at Paul's goals and you say, wow, what a giant. When I think of goals, I don't think of these things, but that's where Paul was at. And so I think some of the Philippians must have thought that Paul had arrived spiritually, that he had made it. Combined with that, it seems to me that the legalists, and that's the chapter, the context of this whole chapter, the Judaizers, the legalists, were coming in and saying, if you keep the law, you can attain spiritual perfection. If you just do enough, you can make it. You can be perfect. You can, if you just do all the right things, you'll have made it. So you combine their attitude towards Paul with what combined with what they were taught by the Judaizers. And I think if you were at Philippi, you might have a faulty theology. You might think that somebody has really, it's possible to attain perfection in this life. As Paul continues his letter, he doesn't want to be misunderstood. Paul was not teaching that. He doesn't want to be misunderstood, so he tells the Philippians about how he continues to pursue spiritual maturity. That's why this fits in. It's really to clear up any misunderstanding that might come from his pen as well as the faulty theology of the legalists. And as he, as he does this, this becomes a tremendous section for us to gain insight on what does it take to be spiritually mature. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm not perfect, but I'm working at it. I'm moving in that direction. And as he opens up his heart to them, you know what he reveals to us? What is the frame of mind that you and I need to have to run the race towards spiritual maturity? In other words, what are the attitudes necessary in spiritual maturity? When we speak of spiritual maturity, there are books and books and books on this, messages on this. Many people speak about maturity. Every gospel booklet that I know that's, that's worth its weight um, tells you about how to grow in the Lord. But you know what they usually stress? And it's fine that they stress this. We usually speak when we speak about maturity concerning read your Bible, pray, have a quiet time, uh, be involved in witnessing, be involved in a local church, get involved, have church fellowship, um, understand, confess your sins. Now, these things are fine. And we ought to say that because that is how you grow. But I want to challenge you on something. I want you to think about this. No one will ever do those things unless they first have the right attitudes. The attitudes of spiritual maturity lead to the actions of reading your Bible and praying. And I see that, that many people neglect the attitudes. What are the essential attitudes of, of spiritual maturity? In other words, if you don't have these attitudes, forget about growing. And sometimes we get frustrated. We want to disciple someone. We want to follow up on someone. And we wonder, why aren't they growing? The reason they're not growing is because they don't have these attitudes. So this morning, I want us to learn four essential attitudes for spiritual maturity. If you have these attitudes, you'll grow. If you don't have these attitudes, you won't. It's as simple as that. No matter how many messages you hear about reading your Bible, you will not do it unless you have these four essential attitudes. 
So let's begin. The first attitude necessary for spiritual maturity is honesty. Honesty. An honest evaluation of where you are in your Christian life. Paul writes, verse 12, not that I have already obtained it. He's somewhat offensive here. He says, I don't want you, I don't want you to misunderstand. I, I don't want you to think that I've attained it. Notice what he says, what he goes on to say, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect. In other words, I didn't receive full sanctification or holiness at my conversion, and it's 30 years later, and I'm still not perfect. Paul's just being very honest. So the first thing he does is honestly admit that he hasn't arrived spiritually. He wasn't fully mature in Christ. That is to say, he's not perfectly Christ-like. There's, there's room for growth. He hadn't reached his goals. That's why there were goals. He's moving in that direction. There's still room for growth. Now, it's been 30 years since Paul has been converted. And Paul has had the Lord work deeply in his life. He's done amazing things. He's been involved in miracles. He's been involved in healings. He's been involved in planting churches. He's been involved in discipleship. He's written New Testament letters. He is an apostle. He has met with the Lord for, for a number of years out in the Arabian desert. He has had revelation given to him. But he's saying, God's still at work in my life. God is still perfecting what he began. Look at chapter 1 of Philippians, will you, in verse 6. It's the same truth here. Paul writes to the Philippians, I'm confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, that is, at salvation, at conversion, he began to work in you, he will perfect it. That's the word. He will teleos. He will mature it. He will complete it, is the thought, until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, God will continue working in our lives and maturing us until you see the Lord Jesus Christ, until you stand before him. Paul says, I'm confident of this. A great verse, by the way, on eternal security. He who began a good work in you will continue it. And that's what Paul's saying. God began a good work in me, and he's continuing it, but I have not arrived yet. Now, few of us would ever fall into the error of thinking that we were perfect, that we were fully sanctified. There are some in some Christian circles who would. I don't think so here, but there would be some who would use the language of second blessing. If you have the second blessing, you are fully sanctified. Uh, some would use the expression full sanctification. Uh, baptism of the Spirit is used in that context often. So there are some who would think that if they have just that experience, they could be perfect. Paul denies that. Paul says that's not true. In fact, in other places, the Word of God denies that. If you look at 1 John, well, you don't need to turn there. I'll just read it. 1 John chapter 1 Verse 8, John says, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. John says, if we come along and we say that we don't sin anymore, that we are not prone to sin anymore, John says, you're, you're lying. Truth isn't in you. I had a man tell me some years ago, he said, I haven't sinned for years. That's what he told me. He said, I haven't sinned for years. I think he had a faulty definition of what sin was. I proceeded to explain to him that he had. And he was doing it at that very moment. Full sanctification will come the moment we see the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the same letter, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, John says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. That is, right now, we're God's children. And it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We're not sure in the future all the things. People ask me about the resurrection body and what will it be like. We don't know all the details. It hasn't been revealed to us. 
John writes this, we know that when he appears, we'll be like him because we shall see him as he is. All we can say is that we're going to be like Christ, which speaks of perfection at this point. Christ-likeness. Philippians chapter 3, look at verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 21, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. Basically, it means this. We look for Jesus to come from heaven. When he comes from heaven, we're going to be turned into his image. We're going to be like him, transformed. So there is coming a day in which we will be fully Christ-like. But Paul is saying, not now. I haven't arrived at that point. I, I'm not fully sanctified. Now, in our theological circles, and I believe we're correct, we would not disagree with Paul. We would say, right, can't be fully sanctified. However, I have met many who, while attesting to not being fully perfect, and they would say, well, I'm not perfect, they really don't think they're far from it. They really don't think they have too far to go. Many brethren will, will they'll claim, I'm, I'm not perfect, but if the truth were known, what their heart is really saying is, but I'm pretty close, I'm pretty close. They perceive themselves as spiritually mature. And let's use the principle now. Uh, let's say, well, th they don't think they're exactly going to be perfect, but they see themselves as pretty close to it. They see themselves as spiritually mature. They see themselves as having experienced a lot of the Christian life. You find this many times in, in people who've been saved for years. They've experienced a lot of the Christian life. They're usually older. They're very knowledgeable about the word. They're experienced. They've seen a lot. Uh, and they like to tell you that. I've seen a lot in my time. Uh, nothing wrong with that, but if that's an attitude of, of uh, pride, it is wrong. And they perceive themselves as having arrived. You just can't teach them anything. There are many Christians like that. They just can't receive anything. You can't teach them a whole lot. They've heard it all. They, they really feel that way. Now, folks, when a man or a woman has that kind of attitude about themselves, that's a sign of spiritual immaturity, not maturity not maturity. The most mature, Christ-like man who has ever lived, in my opinion, is the Apostle Paul. Now, there may be some who have been just as mature, but I don't think any who have been more mature than him. And Paul looked at his spiritual condition and he honestly admitted that he wasn't mature. He hadn't arrived. It was Paul, I remind you, who said, I am the chief of sinners. I am what I am, he said, by the grace of God. We see that all the time, don't we? I remember one time on Home Improvement when Jill wanted Tim to fix the ice maker. She showed him how it didn't dispense the ice into her glass. Tim told her she was doing it wrong. He set the glass under the dispenser, pushed the lever, and hit the freezer door twice with his fist. One ice cube fell in the glass and Tim said, See? Well, Jill just rolled her eyes. In our relationship with God, how often are we like Tim the Tool Man? willing to settle for being less than we can and should be in Christ. It was a joy to have you with us in class today. You have been listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside for over 27 years. His expository or Verse by Verse messages come to you through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. 
If you would like to hear today's class again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the audio file for later. We also offer a free podcasting service if you want to make sure that you don't miss any of the lessons. Near the top of the webpage is a link to the archives where you can find previous classes. We also offer a complimentary newsletter. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. It is often helpful to listen to a message all at once. The entire message from which today's lesson was taken is available on CD or cassette. If you would like to order one, please call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during regular office hours. Our number again, 727-441-1714. Admiral Horatio Nelson was one of the world's greatest naval leaders. For years, he carried on a scandalous affair with Emma, Lady Hamilton, who was also married. Even so, as Lord Nelson lay dying at the end of the Battle of Trafalgar, he said, Doctor, I have not been a great sinner. Compare that to the transparent honesty of the Apostle Paul. He would be the last person that I would consider to be a great sinner, but he called himself the chief sinner and confessed that he would never seem to do what he knew was right. You see, the more we mature spiritually, the more we become like Christ, the more we see our continued need for spiritual growth. That's a paradox that Pastor Steve will consider more fully in the next Verse by Verse. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.